Hey, good morning, and I'm glad you're worshiping with us today at the Christian Church at Carl Junction. If you were with us last week, if you missed last week, you can go watch the video to catch back up. But last week, we talked about how Peter uh, failed publicly, but then he was restored publicly too. And we said we want to be restored to who God made us to be. This morning, I want to tell you how we do that. I want to help you know exactly how you can be restored to the person, the man, the woman that God made you to be, how you can have the identity of his son or his daughter. I want to help you find that today. Here at the church, the way we surrender to Jesus is through a process called baptism. We are lowered into water, and then as we're lowered into the water, we are forgiven of our sins through the sacrifice and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are forgiven of our past, of our sins. And then we are raised up out of the water. We're filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit so we can walk and be a brand new creation. The Apostle Paul tells us that if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. That's what we do here. At the church, I, at this church, I was baptized myself as a boy. I grew up here at the Christian Church at Carl Junction, and now I've returned to be the pastor here a few years ago. But I was baptized in this place right here, and it was an awesome moment. My sister and I were baptized on the same day. But i got to tell you, from that day until this day, there's been, there's been some time that I, I didn't fully realize what that meant. In fact, there were times that I thought, I wonder if God loves me really. And I would think things like, I wonder if God will love me more if I do this or if I do that. I would think, I wonder if God loves me more if I give more offering. Or will God love me if I go to Sunday school more often? Or will God love me if I attend church every weekend? Or will God love me if I'm a better person, if I'm a a, a good guy? I wonder if God will love me if I'm a better husband. Or will God love me if I learn more about the Bible? I wonder if God will love me if I go on mission trips. And I spent so much time trying to earn God's love. That's not how we get restored. In fact, in fact, it's the opposite of how we get restored. The Word of God is clear that we are restored to Him. We are given a new life in Him, not because of anything that I or that you can do, but we are given that life. We are restored through only what God can do. That's the way we gain it. And this morning, I want to help you see that through Matthew chapter 3. First of all, I'd love to pray with you that God would speak to us this morning. Let's pray together. God, I ask that you would speak to us right now. I pray that this word right here would be made real in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, that we would walk with you. We would live differently. I pray you would restore us to the identity, to the purpose that you made us for. And Father, I pray that we would Stop trying to earn that love. We would accept it and we would thrive in it. I pray that in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 3. I want to talk about an awesome time in the life of Jesus. If you have a Bible or have a Bible app on your phone, I would love for you to turn right now to Matthew chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible of some sort, then let me know. And I would love to make sure that between this Sunday and next Sunday, we get you a Bible. So just comment right now or send us a message right now, and we'll ask for your address, and we will get a Bible to you because we want you to have the Word of God so you can know what God's saying to you. In Matthew chapter 3, 
We're going to jump into the life of Jesus early on. See, he was born, he was laid in a manger, then he grew up into a man. But before he began his ministry, before he began to call disciples, before he began to do miracles and all those things, this event happens. Matthew chapter 3, it's verse 13. If you want to look there with me, this is what it says, Matthew 3, verse 13. It says, now Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Now John is, you might know him by John the Baptist, is the title we give him. John the Baptist, he's a cousin of Jesus, and he's gone out and lived in the wilderness for some time. Uh, he said he was a voice calling out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. It's a prophetic thing that he filled that role. He's out there baptizing people for repentance so they could change their life. That Jesus came to John to be baptized. But verse 14 says, John tried to deter him, saying, no, 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 I need to be baptized by you, but you come to me Imagine this scene. Imagine this scene. You see, John has just publicly proclaimed who Jesus is. He's just done that. In Matthew chapter 3, he has just made this proclamation that, that the Messiah is going to come and he's going to judge and it's going to be this thing that happens. He's proclaimed who he believes Jesus to be, the, the Lamb of God, the Messiah to come. And then John lifts his eyes up. And he sees coming down out of the hillside, coming down from the countryside, he sees Jesus coming. And John, we know from Scripture, John clearly recognized Jesus for who he was. There was no mistaken identity. And once when Jesus walked by, John tells his disciples, look, the, the Lamb of God. He, he recognized him clearly. And Jesus comes down to the river. And John, who's been baptizing knows who he is. He says, no, no, no. This is not the way. I, I'm not fit to tie your sandals together. You baptized me. Because that's the response when we recognize Jesus. We humble ourselves before him. We say, no, no. You are greater than I am. But Jesus here in the next verse, verse 15 he replies, he says, let it be so now. It's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. We have to do this. See, Jesus came to be a king, but to be a different kind of king. He's not a king who comes in and demands that all of his subjects bow before him and kneel before him. He's not one that comes in to lord over people or to domineer over people. He comes in to model for us how to be humble. Jesus comes and says, no, 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 you do for me what you do for everybody else. That's the kind of king that Jesus was. It's the kind of king Jesus is. And so because of that, it says John consented. The next verse says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. He stepped up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son. With him I'm well pleased. This is my Son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. This is the voice that called from heaven. And right there we have in this incredible moment, we have the entire trinity of God identified. The Son stands there in the water. 
the Spirit of God descends like a dove and lands on his shoulder, and then the Father's voice booms out of heaven. This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We see the entire Trinity identified. But this is what I don't want you to miss. You've got to catch this. Because if you can catch this and you can begin to apply this concept to your life, it changes everything. At the moment that Jesus stands in the river and the Holy Spirit lands on him and the Father speaks to him, says, I love you, I am well pleased with you, at that moment, Jesus hadn't done anything yet. Now, I mean, he was, he was about 30 years old. He had lived for a while. I'm sure he'd accomplished some things. I don't, wanna, I don't want you to think I'm saying Jesus was lazy and, and not doing anything. Jesus had done some things. But it's recorded in Scripture. It's recorded in the Gospels. All that we have up to this point is that Jesus was born, that he was laid in a manger, we have around, around 12 years old, Jesus went to the temple, and then he stayed there, and his mother and father left, and they came back to search for him. We have that. And then we have this. To this point, Jesus had not performed miracles, not recorded anyway. He hadn't preached a sermon. He hadn't healed anybody. He certainly hadn't raised anybody from the dead. He hadn't called any disciples yet. He hadn't done anything. But at this moment right here, God chose to speak from heaven to say, I love you. And I am pleased with you. Not because of what his son had accomplished on earth, but just because his son was his son. I love you. I'm well pleased with you. I just hold on to that thought. We're going to come back to that. Hold that. We'll come back. The next verse, which goes into chapter 4. Matthew 4, verse 1, the very next verse says, Then, at that moment, then, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So he's, he's baptized by John comes out of the water, the Holy Spirit lands on him. The Father says, you're my son whom I love. I'm well pleased with you. And then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now we can see some things from this right here. We can see that, that Jesus' identity was a son. He was identified as a son, not identified by his accomplishments. We can see that Jesus was led by the Spirit. He went into the wilderness led by the Spirit. He didn't just wander off unintentionally or accidentally finding himself in the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit of God to be there. He was where he was supposed to be, led there, sent there into a broken place. And we can see that Jesus was tempted by the devil. He wasn't tempted by the Father. He wasn't tempted by the Spirit. He was tempted by the enemy by the one who comes to steal and kill and destroy. He was tempted by Satan, by the devil. We can see all those things right there in this passage. Now, I could wrap this message up, and I could say amen right there, and we could take heart in all those things. But before I do, I have to ask the question, and I need you to consider the question, why does this matter to me? 
Why does this matter? Why is this important to you? What is the point of all of this in Scripture? We have to understand it. Because if we can figure this out, if we can figure out why this matters, then it changes everything for us. There are three reasons this matters incredibly to your life right now today. Reason number one, it matters for this reason. Because your identity, your identity is not based on your accomplishments. We have to get this from Scripture. Just like Jesus shows up to the Jordan River, he hadn't done a miracle, he hadn't preached a sermon, he hadn't called a disciple, he hadn't taught anybody, he hadn't healed anybody, he hadn't done anything yet. He hadn't gone to the cross yet, he hadn't been buried in the tomb yet, he hadn't resurrected yet. None of those things had happened yet. But God loves him. He loves him. You have to figure out this. That your identity, it's not based on your accomplishments. When I was a kid and I was baptized in this building, in this room right here, I didn't get this. And I thought, I think maybe you've thought before, that I had to do something to earn my position with God. But what we have to figure out is that our identity is not based on any accomplishment. It's based on God's accomplishment. In fact, he offers this this covenant. Now, covenant's not a word that we use very often. But he offered this covenant, this promise to us. He promised us that he would be our God and that we would be our people. He promised that as his son made the sacrifice for all sin for all time and he resurrected to defeat sin for all time, he promised to provide an eternal home for us if we promise to give him our life today. It's this covenant promise he offered. And my identity as a son, your identity as a son or as a daughter of the king of God, it's not based upon your accomplishment. It's based upon what God has done. Period. Reason number two. Reason number two is that your purpose is out there. This matters because your purpose is out there. There. See, Jesus, he stands in the Jordan River. He stands in the Jordan River, and and the Spirit of God lands on him. The, The voice of the Father says, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. But that wasn't his purpose. His purpose wasn't to stand in the river forever. His purpose wasn't to hang out in the synagogue and worship forever. His purpose was out there. His purpose is out there. And he was immediately, after coming out of the water, being identified by who God said he was, he was immediately sent into a broken place. He was sent out there. You see, if you've, if you've surrendered to Jesus and you've accepted that your identity is not based on your accomplishment, it's on the accomplishment of God and sending his son and defeating death and giving you a new name, if you've accepted that your identity is based on his accomplishments, not yours, then you have to accept that your purpose is not in this room here. Your purpose is out there in a broken world. That's where your purpose is. You see, your purpose, as a follower of Jesus, your purpose is not to be a gifted singer. 
Now, you might have a gift as a singer, and you might be able to come in this room and, and be able to encourage people with your gift of singing, but that's not your purpose. Your purpose is not to teach a Sunday school class. Your purpose is not to, uh, your purpose is not to be on a committee. Your purpose is not to do uh, acts of service in this room right here. Your purpose is out there. You see, when you accepted the gift of God and you were baptized into him and your past is forgiven and you received the Holy Spirit that came to Jesus, that came down on you and it inhabited you and you came out of that water and you accepted that based on the accomplishments of God the Father, the Son, the Spirit, you accepted that, then you also accepted that your purpose is out there. And you exist to glorify God by being a disciple who makes more disciples. That's your purpose. 100%. That's your purpose. It's not in this room. This room we come into to be encouraged, to be challenged, to thrive as a family, to come and worship. But then we go and we end every gathering by saying, you are sent because we mean it, because your purpose is out there. And you are sent into a broken world to bring hope and restoration to broken people. So you can fight for lives and rescue people back to the Father. That's your purpose. Reason number three. Reason number three is that your temptation is not from God. You have to understand this. You have to understand your temptation is not from God. And how many times have you or I or someone you know, someone you go to church with, how many times have we unintentionally said something like, I just don't know why God is tempting me with this. I don't know why God is testing me in this way. I don't know why whatever's happening. You have to understand that God never tempts you. That's the enemy's job. God never tries to trick you into abandoning your faith. That's what Satan does. Whenever anything tempts you to step outside of a life lived in holiness, devoted to him, anytime anything tempts you to leave the path you're walking, anytime any temptation comes, that's not from God. That's from Satan. Here Matthew 4, 1 says that Jesus was led in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. God never tempts you. In fact, in fact, Jesus prayed as he taught us to pray in the thing we call the Sermon on the Mount. He taught us how to pray. He said to pray that we would not be led into temptation, but be delivered from the evil one. God doesn't tempt you. He protects you from temptation. That's it. If we can figure these three things out, then we can begin to unleash our potential, the potential we have in the kingdom of God. If we can begin to figure out, number one, our identity is not based on anything that I can do or that you can do. It's only based on God. And so if we can figure out, number one, then we stop trying to earn anything from God and we start thriving in what he made us to be. 
If we can figure number two out, that my purpose is out there, then I can stop being tricked into staying in here. I can stop saying, I just, I just don't know if God's still there because I can't go to church right now. We're in this quarantine season, and some of us are struggling because we just can't go to church. We have to remember that wherever we gather with people, that is the church. We are the church. And our purpose is out there anyway. Right now, stop, stop longing for this room and start embracing that you're in the wilderness. You are out there. You've been sent out there to your purpose right now. Start engaging in that so you can thrive in your purpose. If we can, if we can figure out number three, that my temptation is not from God, then I can stop blaming God every time something tempts me. I can stop being frustrated at God every time some pretty person walks by or something on the internet pops in or somebody says something. Or I can stop blaming God every time I trip over a temptation because he didn't tempt me. And I can start praying that God protects me from that. See, if I can figure out these three things, if I can figure this stuff out, then I can begin to build my life on the rock that is Jesus Christ. I can start to unroll the blueprints for my life that God laid out in his word. And I can start thriving in who he made me to be. I want to I read one more Scripture to you here. I want to read this. It's, it's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It's, I want you to listen. The writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter, the author of our faith. Let us throw off everything that hinders and entangles us. Let us run with perseverance the race that God marked out for us because we are surrounded by other people that are going the same way at the same time. I need you to know that you have been rescued not because of anything you have done to earn it, but you are rescued because your Father loves you so very much. He made you, and then He bought you back through His Son. And you are surrounded by other people that are running the same race you are. You are not alone. You've never been alone. You've never been left alone. You never will be alone. God is walking with you. Jesus said, I will never leave you or abandon you. And you have other believers that are all around you here. And right now, maybe you're in your house and you feel like you're all alone. I'm telling you, just reach out. Right now, if you feel alone, comment right now. Say, I just feel alone. Because other people right now are watching the same thing. They're, they're worshiping with you right now at the same time, and they want to encourage you that you're not alone. Just tell us, I feel alone. Because you're not. Right now, Satan might be whispering to you. Right now, saying, you have to earn it. Right now, comment, say, I feel like I have to earn it. Because someone's going to tell you, you don't. You don't have to earn it. Throw that off. That, that's going to entangle you and pull you down. Throw that off. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Throw that off. Right now, maybe you feel like you just don't have a purpose. 
comment right now and say, I don't have a purpose. Because someone's going to tell you you do. And your purpose is out there. You have a purpose, and you are going to thrive in your purpose. Right now, maybe you feel tempted by God. Put in the comments, I feel tempted by God, because someone's going to remind you you are not tempted by God. You are protected from God by God from the attack of the evil one. Someone's going to remind you of that, so that right now, in your home, on your couch, in your living room, in your kitchen, in your dining room, right now, where you're at, you can thrive on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Not because of what you did to earn it. But because of what God did to buy you back. Church, I want you to thrive. Here at the church in Carl Junction, we are all about helping people come to Jesus, thrive in family, and go on mission. I want you to thrive. I want your life built on a solid foundation. And so this morning, I want to offer an invitation to you. If you've never followed Jesus and you're watching this today, maybe you don't know how you even found it, but if you've never followed Jesus, then I want to invite you today to follow him for the first time. The way we follow is through the act of baptism. We're lowered into water, forgiven of our sins, and we're raised up with the Holy Spirit in us to walk in our purpose, to be protected from temptation because of what God did to earn that for us. I want to invite you to give your life to Jesus for the first time. If you need to do that, then comment right now. Say, I need to follow Jesus for the first time. Because someone's going to encourage you along the way. And I'm going to reach out to you. And we're going to help you take your first steps and your next steps in following Jesus. If you've been following Jesus for a while, though, if you've, been, if you've been baptized maybe days ago, weeks ago, or years ago even, and you've been feeling the struggle of thinking you have to earn your position with Christ, or maybe you're feeling like you don't have a purpose now that you can't come in this room, or maybe you've been feeling like you're tempted by God and you don't know why he's tempting you, if, if that's you, then I want to invite you to take a step back, to take a step back, And to let the blood of Jesus be enough to find your purpose outside these walls and to ask God to stop the enemy from tempting you. I want to invite you. I want to invite you to surround yourself with a great cloud of witnesses that are going to encourage you as you throw off everything that so easily entangles. And I want to invite you to fix your eyes on Jesus the author, and the perfecter of your faith so you can run the race, the life that he marked out, that he planned for you. I want you to come to Jesus, to thrive in a family, and to go on mission so you can be the man, the woman, the child that God made you to be. Right now I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to ask that God would do that right now for you, that he would restore you to himself and set your feet on the rock. Let's pray together. Father God, I ask that you would be 
to be touching hearts right now. I pray that somebody that's been watching today, worshiping here today, I pray that they would be coming to you for the first time and giving their life to you. And I pray that somebody else is coming back to you, being restored back to you. I pray that chains have been broken, the enemy has been pushed back as we have been restored to you. And we have been reminded that I don't have to earn anything because it's already been done. I just have to accept it and surrender to it. And Father, I pray this morning that somebody has been given energy and momentum and enthusiasm for the purpose that is out there, that we can be led by your Spirit into a broken world with purpose. And right now, maybe that purpose is just praying for other people as we go on walks. I don't know what it is. But we can find purpose in helping a broken world see you again. And Father, I pray that somebody that's been feeling, feeling tempted by you to, to see if you're trying to trick us away from you, I pray that somebody's been reminded that you never fill that role, but you protect us from the enemy who does. And I pray you would today, Father, protect our minds from the temptations on the internet, the temptations on our TV, the temptations in our home, the temptations in our workplace, the temptations that we see as we go out in the world. I pray you protect us. And Father, I pray that you'd restore us to you. You'd set our feet on the rock and that we could build our lives upon you. And I pray, Father, that you would be everything you promised that you are. You'd be our God. And I pray that we would be your people. And I pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.